Let us pray. Lord, on this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A classic of Western literature is Dostoevsky's The Grand Inquisitor. Based on the temptation of Christ, which is the story we just read, it is an affirmation of human freedom as bestowed and upheld by Christ. And it is an admonition concerning how fragile freedom is. We need both the affirmation and the admonition today. In the piece, which is a chapter from the Brothers Karamazov, Christ returns to earth, to Seville, Spain, not at the end of the world, but during the worst days of the Inquisition. A hundred heretics had been burned at the stake the day before. As Christ enters the city, he comes softly, unobserved, and yet, strange to say, everyone recognizes him. The people are irresistibly drawn to him. They surround him. They flock about him. They follow him. He moves silently in their midst with a gentle smile of infinite compassion. The cardinal himself, the Grand Inquisitor, then passes by the cathedral. He is an old man, almost 90, tall and erect, with a withered face and sunken eyes. He stops at the sight of the crowd and watches it from a distance. His face darkens and his eyes gleam with a sinister fire. He holds out his finger. The crowd immediately makes way for the guards and in the midst of death-like silence, they lay hands on Christ and lead him away. Later that night, the Grand Inquisitor interrogates Christ in his prison cell. He peppers Christ with questions, the same questions with which the devil had tempted Christ in the wilderness. Why have you refused to turn stones into bread? You could create faith with the promise of no more hunger. Why have you refused to throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and be rescued by angels? You could create faith through dazzlement, through entertainment, through proof that we seem to think the eye and ear provide. Why have you refused my offer of political power over the kingdom? You could create faith through royal decree. No more questions asked, no more struggle, no more dissent. No more disobedience. As the Inquisitor interrogates Christ, he reveals why he thinks the human race isn't up to the freedom that Christ offers. Nothing is more seductive for humanity, he says, than freedom of conscience. But nothing is a greater cause of suffering. Turn stones into bread and humanity will run after you like a flock of sheep, grateful and obedient, though forever trembling 
lest you withdraw your hand and deny them their bread. Freedom and bread enough for all are inconceivable together, he says, for never, never will humanity be able to share their bread sufficiently with one another. Throughout this inquisition, Christ remains silent. The inquisitor then tells Christ that tomorrow he will be burned at the stake. In response, Christ approaches the inquisitor in silence and softly kisses him. This is the only answer that Christ gives to the Grand Inquisitor. The old man shudders. His lips move. He goes to the prison door and opens it and says to Christ, Go and come back no more. Come not at all. Never, never again. Yet as he lets Christ out into the dark, the kiss glows in his heart, though he still adheres to his idea that nothing is a greater cause of suffering than freedom. I have written probably three to four thousand words or more this week trying to decide what to say about the temptation of Christ and the Grand Inquisitor, particularly in light of the slow crushing of freedom that we are witnessing in Ukraine. But no, how, no matter how many keystrokes I initiate, no matter how many drafts I print out, mark up, and tear up, nothing profound seems to come. I am aware that there are many in our congregation who know a lot more about the matter than I do. From a diplomatic standpoint, from a military standpoint, from an economic standpoint, from a security standpoint. But I feel compelled to say something about a standpoint which walks along these others for people of faith. An understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ and how that good news might have some resonance in this horror that is unfolding and is visible before us every hour. At the opening of the Grand Inquisitor, Christ appears as a loving and gentle presence who by his very appearance in Seville arouses hope and admiration. He moves silently in their midst with a gentle smile of infinite compassion. At the end of the story, he kisses his cruel interrogator with a kiss. Christ approaches him in silence and softly kisses the Grand Inquisitor. In between, Christ is silent. What does his silence mean? In his silence, Christ appears confident, calm. Dostoevsky says he continues to look at the Grand Inquisitor. In his silence, 
Christ is demonstrating great trust in the freedom that he bestows on humanity as evidenced by the critique of that freedom that the silence leads the Grand Inquisitor to offer. That freedom is even clearer in Christ's biblical refusal to coerce faith through magic, through miracle, or through authority. I do not believe for one minute that God intends for the Grand Inquisitors to rule the day. I do not believe human beings are incapable of living with freedom at the political or at the individual level. But neither do I believe that living with freedom is easy. Dostoevsky writes, in place of the rigid ancient law, we must hereafter with a free heart decide what is good and what is evil. The one choice we do not have as human beings is to avoid deciding. We do not have that choice. Whether we like it or not, we live with the fearful burden of choice. In every sphere of our lives, the choice between good and evil, between less good and less evil, lies in our hands. We do not control the outcome our choices produce, but we do control the actions we take in light of the options that are before us. To lesser and greater degrees, nations of the world, citizens of Ukraine, citizens in our nation in Europe are facing the same questions. Can this invasion be stopped? Can it be curtailed? Can it be reversed? What would it take to lead Russia to retreat? Would the risk be too high? Would the risk of World War III, surely nuclear, be so high as to qualify as a greater, though nobly intentioned, evil than what Putin has perpetuated? Nearly every nation near Ukraine is taking action. Europe seems united, but hardly any nation seems willing to take military action, at least yet, to save Ukraine. This is one that history may have to judge. There is no rigid ancient law. We have to decide with a free heart what is good and what is evil, what is less good and what is less evil, how far to go and how far not to go. The choice is not easy, but no decision maker has to make it alone. While in the Grand Inquisitor, Christ never speaks, he is a spiritual and moral presence at the beginning of the essay, and he is a spiritual and moral presence at the end. Silent, confident, compassionate, facing his own death to be sure, but present for all the people, including the Inquisitor, he kisses at the end. While in our current situation, Christ does not devise diplomatic or military strategy. 
his presence in this great and sad instance of human cruelty outlasts even the brutality being inflicted on the people of Ukraine, some of whom are taking refuge in other countries, some of whom are seeking protection, hiding at home, some of whom fight, and all of whom seem to be following the calm courage of their admirable president. As sometimes happens, I was writing this sermon and a member of the congregation sent me a YouTube video of the Prayer of Ukraine, sung by a Ukrainian choir in an American church 10 years ago. The person who sent me the video knows much more about Eastern Europe than I do, and I later asked him what he thought the options to be. But his initial impulse was not to send me as his pastor an article or a policy paper. He sent a prayer, a prayer that was put to music. Many of you have heard this prayer. Lord, O oh the great and almighty, protect our beloved Ukraine. Bless her with freedom and light of your holy rays. With learning and knowledge, enlighten us, your children small, in love, pure and everlasting. Let us, O oh Lord, grow. We pray, O Lord Almighty, protect our beloved Ukraine. Grant our people and country all your kindness and grace. Bless us with freedom. Bless us with wisdom. Guide us into a kinder world. Bless us, O Lord, with good fortune forever and evermore. These words are beautiful. They reflect the aspirations of people in any nation who love their country and seek to live in peace and freedom and security. But what struck me more than the words was the sound of music, sung by voices of people, some of whom may no longer be alive. All over the world, people are united in singing that national song of Ukraine, the national prayer of its people, bless her with freedom and light. No matter what happens to Ukraine, they and their leaders will have made their choices between less good and less evil. The same choice is being made by leaders of other nations supportive of Ukraine. None of us knows the outcome and few of us are hopeful but no matter what the outcome is, the music, the music, the music will remain forever. Just as the silent figure of Jesus Christ remains beyond the cynicism and the brutality of the Grand Inquisitor of Putin. Music lives on. Prayer lives on. Christ lives on. Even as Christ never removes from our free hearts the responsibility of deciding, he approaches us 
in silence. And he softly kisses us. Amen.